Welcome to a special edition of Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. You're about to listen to an episode in the 10-part Touched by Suicide series. Trigger warning, this episode may include discussions about suicide, mental illness, substance abuse, and self-harm. If these topics are sensitive to you, proceed with caution. It may also contain strong language and is intended for an adult audience. If you are feeling suicidal, thinking about hurting yourself, or are concerned that someone you know may be in danger of hurting themselves, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The hotline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and is staffed by certified crisis response professionals. Please be sure to share this podcast with anyone who needs to hear it right now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Touch by Suicide, a podcast series inspired by Steve Tarpinian, who died by suicide in 2015. I'm your narrator, Michael Lovato. In this series, we share perspectives from people who've been touched by suicide in different ways. Our goal is to raise awareness and reduce the stigma surrounding suicide and mental health issues. And to always remember, you are not alone. Today we hear the perspective of an athlete. Her name is Deb Savarese. Deb was coached by Steve for many years, and even though he's gone, Steve continues to impact her life today. Because of Steve, Deb is not afraid to take on challenges and has more self-confidence. She actually feels like Steve is still with her. She hears his voice, especially when she swims. Even though she can still feel his presence, Deb believes the world lost so much when Steve died. If you or someone you know is displaying suicide warning signs, please call the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 800-273-8255. Now let's hear from Deb and Nicole. I am here today with Deb Savarese, one of Steve Tarpinian's athletes, Deb, thanks so much for talking to me today. About My pleasure. Yeah. Um, I know you were possibly Steve's favorite athlete. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but he was my favorite coach. That's for sure. Well, let's talk about your relationship with Steve. How did you meet him? Well, I uh, was living on Long Island I in, in New York. Right now I'm in Florida. Uh, I just turned 50 years old and I was looking for um, a big way to celebrate my birthday. And um, I ran non-competitively since I was 17. I was doing uh, recreational biking and swimming and triathlon seemed to be a good fit for me. So um, I signed up for my first sprint try and I realized I had better step up my game that I never swam open water before. And so I started to look for open water swim groups, which gradually led me to Steve and team total training. And uh, he was given a try clinic at the aquatic center in Nassau County. And uh, I signed up for that. And that was my introduction to Steve and, and coach swimming for the first time in my life. Okay. So first of all, here's a, a, insight into your mindset when you wanted to do a big celebration for your 50th you chose a triathlon isn't that something only really you know crazy people do um but you know i think steve appreciated that kind of goal and uh that big dream it's it's celebrating means different things to different people doesn't it yeah 
definitely. But I mean, at least I, you know, I liked it because uh, it, you know, brought me out outdoors more. I, f I felt like I wasn't being outside. I wasn't outside enough. And so it definitely got me out there, which was great. Um, so this was the first time you'd ever been coached in swimming as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually really, uh, it was the first time I started swimming regularly. I mean, I always loved the water, but I was never really into swimming very much. So and Steve had a, a tremendous love for the water and he definitely knew how to, you know, pass that on to, to everyone that he was with. So I caught yeah. that bug from him. Had you ever been um, coached in any sport prior to this? Never, never, never. I ran all the time, I, but I would just go running outside. I didn't have a watch. I, I wasn't tracking anything. I just always ran, ran, ran. But since the 70s, when that became a big, uh, a big thing, uh, running outdoors. And uh, yeah, and, and then I just started doing a little riding and a little pool swimming on my own, but never coached. Well, I think never this raced. Is and I think this is like a really um, cool point to bring up because there are some coaches who just don't do well with beginners. Oh my but gosh, I, I know. I do know that. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, why was Steve so great? Well, that was definitely one of the reasons why. He really knew how to make beginners feel welcome and equal to even the best athletes in, his, uh, in the club and just in general. And uh, that's why we all loved him. Uh, there were quite a few of us who were beginners. And that's what made him such a great coach and TTT such a great club to be in, really. So how long, um, how long were you coached by Steve and in the program? Late years, really. I mean, I think it started... Really, I mean, until I moved to Florida, I was with TTT and Steve for quite a few times. I, he trained me for uh, two uh, Ironmans and uh, I wasn't able to finish either one of them. So that was another, that's another whole story. But uh, so I know the, those took several years, both of those races. And uh, so, and it was even before that. So I would say maybe close to 10 years or so. You know, when you're, when you become close to somebody, they, as a coach, they really get to know you and part of the relationship, it's not just the physical training, it's helping guide you through the emotional ups and downs. Oh yeah, and absolutely. You just mentioned like not being able to finish a couple of Ironmans, like that is a very difficult emotional position to be in. <laughs> right. I wonder, um, you know, did you feel that Steve was a good guide for you during those times? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, he held my hand. If anything, I, I'm, I think maybe he coddled me too much, but that's the way he was. He just embraced and loved all his athletes and he became a mentor and a friend. It wasn't just a coach at all. Yeah. And you know, it's, it feels almost ironic. You know, he was struggling with his own mental health issues, which many people didn't realize we'll get there in a second. Um, exactly. but yet he was helping you yeah. with your emotional journey and to reach my goals and to, you know, deal with the challenges of it. So it was, it was really, he was extremely supportive and I've, I've had many been a part of other groups since then and had other coaches since then. And honestly, it's very hard to come by someone who was as supportive and as wonderful as he was. You know, looking back, how would you say from a bigger picture that he impacted your life? Oh, gosh, he, in so many ways. I mean, I've been thinking about this since you first asked the questions and uh, he still impacts my life today. I, I feel like he's still with me today. I still hear his voice in my head. 
especially when I'm swimming. And um, he made me uh, believe in myself more. He made me not afraid to take challenges. Um, and to, it's, you know, to think big beyond myself, that it's okay to do that. It's actually encouraged that. And, uh, and just to work hard also, because it takes a lot of work and dedication and discipline. And he taught me that he really did. And also the, uh, he, ha he helped me overcome my fear of water in such a big way that I love it, water. I love swimming in open water now. And I didn't before, I was petrified. And I, I do remember one uh, time when we were swimming on the ocean. So we used to meet over at, um, in the Nassau County, um, I think at Tobe Beach. And there was the uh, inlet on one side, there was um, the bay on one side and the ocean on the other side. And every time we would go to show up, we never knew which side we were gonna swim on. And I would be a nervous wreck when he'd say, we're going to the ocean side. And this one time that we were swimming, uh, the ocean there was in, filled with jellyfish. And uh, I mean, they were everywhere and I was getting stung. We swam out and I felt like I was getting stung all over and I was, I was hyperventilating and getting nervous. And he came out on his boogie board and met me up there and just talked me through it. And it was like, you know, he helped me swim back and to not panic. And I'll always remember that. Wow. That I feel like it, you have such a gift right now. You hear his voice. Mm -hmm. He's still guiding you. He's still my coach, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just amazing. And you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know if it's easy, but when you put the thought to looking back and sort of summarizing what someone meant to you, it's, it makes sense in the moment, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Steve had a mental health battle for many, many years. Did you see any signs of that? I really did not know how serious it was at all. Though I did see certain things that I, I think about now that, you know, maybe he was a little moody at times. He wasn't always easy to approach. He seemed very withdrawn uh, oftentimes. Like you had to know when you could approach him. Like he would go from one way to the other. He'd be really open and bubbly or he'd be really quiet and introspective. And so, and, you and I always try to respect that for whatever reasons, you know, he was going through that. And uh, yeah, but other than that, and then also I know I, uh, in my mind, I remember him getting, having very close ties with people and then suddenly he would break them off. And whether it was a business tie or just another athlete, he'd be really, really tight with this one particular person and then suddenly they'd be gone. And that always, you know, stood out to me. And I always, I often wondered why that would, you know, why that happened. I never asked questions. I never wanted to pry. Maybe I should have. And, uh, but that stands out to me as maybe a sign of something that was going on. Yeah, so many of these signs are, there are those looking back, maybe uh -huh. this was a sign, but when you're yeah. in the moment, it's, right. it's nearly impossible to put the patterns together. Right. I, I know. know. It's true. Was he still coaching you? Um, you know, at the time when you found out he died by suicide? No, because I left the scene, I moved to Florida. If it wasn't that I had moved, uh, definitely I would have been there. I mean, and every year we still go up to New York. 
And when he was around and the steam and the team was still uh, active, I always went there uh, every time we went into New York and I would swim with the, with the team um, in Nassau County and, you know, try and get together with people. I mean, they're still my closest friends even today. I still am friends with all those people. And, and I always swam with the team every time I went up to New York. And so what happened was because I was disconnected, I, you know, I started hearing stories when I'd go up. Uh, and different rumors and whispering, you know, from teammates that stuff was going on that, you know, but I never really fully understood what was happening. So no, I wasn't, he wasn't coaching me at that time, but we were still friends and connected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it, it, it also feels to me a little ironic because Steve was such a brilliant community creator. He created community and he was a connector. You made relationships with so many people through him. Yep. I know. And yet at the end, he started pushing community away. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, How did you feel when you found out? Oh my gosh. Devastated. But also in the back, I knew right away. I mean, I, I got a call from someone that they needed to talk to me. And I knew instantly what it was going to be about. And because of what I was hearing when I was in New York and the, the rumors that there was stuff going on, there were there were struggles going on. And I just knew. And then also the last time I saw him when I was in New York, he did not look good. He didn't look well. And uh, his physical appearance had changed. He got thinner. He looked disheveled and uh, you know distracted. So I knew things were building. So, but I was totally in shock and and upset still, you know, very upset. You know, they talk about survivor's guilt in all kinds of ways. And, um, with suicide, it's very relevant. I know you weren't part of his family, but you were, you were part of his extended family. Mm -hmm. And, um, did you feel any of that? Yeah, I did. Definitely. And especially, you know, he called me twice right before uh, he died uh, down here in Florida. And I remember being so shocked by those phone calls just to chat because he never called me just to chat. Even when I was living in New York, we didn't, we didn't have that kind of relationship that he would call me at home about anything. And he called me twice. And uh, when I think back on it, I feel now that he was like trying to say goodbye to me. And, uh, but I definitely felt very, very sad and responsible for sure that I didn't do enough or say enough or be there. And I should have been in his face more. I should have not been afraid to pry, to ask questions. I had no idea that he was suffering as much as he was. And that's not uncommon either. You know, so many people are shocked where in the back of your mind, you got the phone call and you knew, Yeah. but you were still shocked. Right. Right. Um, That he actually went through with it. You know, it's amazing. I just, he always seemed like such a strong, he always seemed strong to me. So. Yeah. He was an incredible actor. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. Um, How did you handle your grief and your guilt? Did you seek counseling or talk to people? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I remember trying to talk to everyone, but it was very hard being down here 
and uh, trying to find out what was really going on. And I still, to this day, don't really understand the situation at that time. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I have been in therapy myself like three different times in my life. And it's not like I ran out to seek therapy right after that, but I, every so often I feel the need that I have to go back and you know, be in therapy again. And uh, it comes up all the time, you know, my relationship with him and who he was and how he died with, uh, you know, with a lot of people I know. And, uh, you know, now, and even my, my current coaches now, it, it, it will come up. And uh, I don't really know how I dealt with it, honestly. Uh, if it was any one particular thing, it's just a, a total, uh, I don't know, I guess it's just something, you know, I still live with really. Time helps, doesn't it? It does, definitely. Yeah. Um, if you had known back then that Steve was struggling so much that he was having suicidal thoughts, what do you do you think you could have can talk about how you would have handled that? Yeah, definitely differently. Um, I didn't understand until later how and and like through Gene and through reading and other uh conversations that it's okay to ask someone if they're thinking about, you know, killing themselves and ending their life. I never knew that before. I never thought that would be something you could actually ask someone or that you should ask someone that. So I know I definitely would have done that. I would have just come right out and said, what do you, you know, are you thinking about ending your life? And then I don't know if it would have made any difference because there were so many other people really close to him who loved him dearly, who couldn't change the situation, but, uh, I definitely would have tried harder. That's for sure. What about today? You know, he's, he's been gone for six years. What do you want to say to him right now? Well, how much I still love him and miss him so very much. And that, you know, I think of, there's not a day really that I don't think of him in some way or other, and that he's in my heart and just how much we miss him and how much the world has lost, in his absence, you know, to not have him here with us. I, I agree. I, that is such, so well put. Um, can we talk a little bit about suicide in general? Sure. You know, it's a word that is polarizing to a lot of people. There's a lot of stigma around talking about it. And as you just mentioned, like we would, you know, we could go all the way to the edge with asking someone how they are, but if we said, are you considering attempting suicide? We wouldn't go there. The word right. itself is just hard to roll out of your mouth. Did you, how did you feel about suicide prior to Steve? Had you ever been touched by it in your life? Um, no, 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 not personally, uh, through celebrities and, you know, well-known people definitely and thought about it you know with Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain you know you can't you stop and think when you hear these stories about these amazing people and it's always so surprising but um I know I um I'm, I just lost my train of thought I'm sorry no it's you know it's a, hard, it's a hard question and you know, the, uh, it's hard to go back in time and try to remember how you felt about suicide or what you thought about it. But... Oh, I know what I wanted to say yeah. that it's hard. 
I still can't believe that someone could actually feel so strongly that the world is better off without them. I mean, because that's what I've been learning that that the feeling that's part of the feelings that they have. And I, I cannot wrap my mind around that at all, that you feel so bad that the world is better off without you. That's mind boggling. I, uh, it is. It is. It's tragic. And I guess and- that's how that what brings them to that decision because they think it's better. The world will be better. Yes, that that is very true. And for so many people, they feel hopeless and they also feel alone. And that's the other yeah. part about Steve. It's so hard is right. that he built a community and had so many connections, yet he felt alone. Right. I know. And, and I guess that's what, and when you think about when you said, uh, asked me, uh, what would I have said? Um, maybe shared my own feelings with him more, my personal feelings and experiences and my own depression. And I, cause I never really did that before either. So, well, that's a really good point because we don't wear depression and mental illness on our sleeves. Right. It's invisible. Exactly. Exactly. You won't know. We're like functioning depressives, you know? <laughs> yes. And so you yourself have struggled with some mental health issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think most people have. Yeah, um, I've been diagnosed with a low grade depression. I don't know what the technical name is. Medical wow. name is, it, uh, is, but uh, yeah, so, and that's one of the reasons, another one of the reasons why I love the physical activity of the triathlon. It helps me so much when I can't get outdoors and I can't work out and exercise. I mean, I know it probably sounds like it's obsessive, but it's what keeps me healthy. It's, I mean, I feel it more mentally before I feel it physically, if I stop being active. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, fitness is a one of the number one free things. Well, except for the bike and the shoes and the goggles and all this stuff, but that we can do to help give our bodies a natural boost and God, what an incredible tool. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, did you feel like it was hard to talk about Steve's suicide afterward? Like there was a shame or a stigma associated? No, no, I wanted to talk about it. I actually, I wanted to talk about it more, but sometimes I felt it was hard. It was hard to find anyone to really talk about it in, in detail, you know, in depth. So, um, yeah. But no, I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I, I would rather, I would like to spend more. That's why I want to do this. So Yeah, we need more Debs in the world. <laughs> You're amazing. You know, I think it often takes um, a close brush with a disease, a, a terrible diagnosis, an accident or suicide. You know, something has to touch us personally or someone we care about for it to come to the forefront of our minds and become a cause that we're aware, aware of. And that's what we're trying to do with this project. We're trying to bring awareness to those who are suffering from mental health issues, who are having suicidal thoughts, that they can get help, that there is a world out there, that they're not alone. And, um, and also to the people who, who are left behind, who right. are struggling to cope, that there are others in your shoes too. Right. 
we're all we're all here together trying to you know muddle through this human existence as joyfully as we can so exactly (laughs) yeah so deb is there anything else that you feel is important to share today uh i just i can't think of one thing really in particular but uh just to share the love i guess and uh and it's nice to uh relive feelings and memories of Steve. It's nice. Makes me feel good. Feel like, you know, we're still close in some way. Well, then let's, uh, let's make a pact to continue talking about him and other people we've lost. Sure. And, uh, keep their memories alive to help other people. Definitely. Good idea. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much too, Nicole. You're officially my favorite athlete now. (laughs) And you're my favorite coach. Thank you. When someone dies by suicide, it is common for the survivors to erase that part of their journey and not talk about how their loved one died. When this happens, it perpetuates the stigma around suicide, which makes it harder for people to reach out when they need help. Steve Tarpinian died by suicide in 2015, but he also left a beautiful legacy of love and support to many people. By sharing a story and talking openly about suicide, it is our goal to help people who are struggling reach out for the help they need before it is too late. And by offering a glimpse into the perspectives of those who are touched by suicide, we hope to help those who are struggling with suicide or are suicide loss survivors. Please remember, you are not alone. If you or someone you know is displaying suicide warning signs, please call the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 800 273 8255. Thank you for listening. Please share this podcast. You never know who might need to hear it right now.